Hello everyone, just before we jump into the main episode today, I wanted to thank our two top level patrons, Jennifer and Toby, who are supporting us on the Rainbow Parent tier, which is absolutely bloody amazing. Do you want to join them? Head over to Patreon and uh, you don't have to donate as much as they do, but we'd really appreciate anything that you can give to us. More about Patreon coming a little bit later. On with the episode, my darlings. Welcome to the Queer Movie Podcast, celebrating the best and worst in LGBTQ plus cinema, one glorious genre at a time. I'm Rowan Ellis. And I'm Jazza Jun. Each episode, we discuss a movie from a different genre of cinema. This episode's genre is Queer Oscars, Oscars 2023. <laughs> So in sync, so yeah, coordinated. 100%. The the yearly tradition of us doing the queer Oscar stuff. So today we're going to be talking about the best bloody movie ever made by the Daniels Kwan and Shinert, um, and starring the best actor in the history of humanity, Michelle Yeoh, and nominated for eleven Oscars, I think. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Not to spoil what Jazza thought of the movie or anything, um, but before we it's start... It's my favourite movie. It's my favourite <laughs> movie. I'm so fucking excited. After like the last three movies that we've done, I'm so excited to speak about something that I actually genuinely adore. I love this film. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> Uh, but before we stuff Employee of the Month awards up our asses, so we can fight Michelle herself, Jazza, what's the gayest thing you've done since the last episode? So, um, hi everybody, I live in New York, and um, oh, I ran out of my NHS prescribed prep um, at the end of last year, and so have been <laughs> having to live like it's the 90s, oh my god, and I just, for the first time, like a true American, which I'm not, but like a true American resident, picked up my first prescription of PrEP from CVS. You, did you have to pay American monies for it or do you do you have health no, insurance? No, I get it on my health insurance. <gasps> oh, look at you. I got a full thing. Although, can I just show you the, the documentation that I have to read in order yeah. to take this? I'll do an audio description. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the audio description. What's basically happened is <laughs> Jazza has just come onto the, the webcam that I can see and they've essentially, like, you know, one of those comedy scrolls that just keeps rolling all the way down the throne room in a some kind of fantasy comedy movie that's exactly what's just just been displayed in front of me that is like a a, a world map to scale that is so big mm -hmm. have you read any of it yeah well i had to try and because like i know the like what you're meant to do to take prep but i wanted to like double check because this is american prep and maybe it's different um so i found the instructions of dosage and how to take it and it says take dosage exactly as your prescriber told you Okay. Fucking useless. Well, oh, did your prescriber not tell you? Uh, no. Um, uh, but I have texted him and said, "Is it like normal prep?" And we'll find out when he texts me back. So that'll be wow. good. Mm -hmm. What's the gayest thing you did? Uh, before we go into the gayest thing, I really feel like this podcast is educational. It's um, very mm. vitally important, very serious. Mm -hmm. Not at all. But in case there's anyone listening who doesn't know this, if you take two or more prescriptions monthly, and you're on the NHS, like through the NHS. Get yourself a prepay certificate because it will be cheaper. And then every single prescription you get past, I think it's literally like you have to have one and a half prescriptions a month. Uh, it will be cheaper. And every single one, it won't cost you any more money. And then when you go in and they say, do you pay for the prescriptions? You get to be like, I already did, baby. I prepaid. Because mm -hmm. I didn't know that until very recently. And I've been taking two prescriptions a month for many years and didn't realize I was paying too much for them. Uh, that wasn't the gayest thing I've done, though. Um, <laughs> Isn't it? Um, uh, making making uh, healthcare more uh, easy to easier to navigate and more accessible. That I feel like that's pretty gay. That is pretty gay. Um, <laughs> no, the, I actually did um, my first in person talk, and since the pandemic, oh, yeah, this is cool. I used to do a lot of them, uh, and I've done some in person like hosting stuff and things like that. But mostly, it's been online. But I went to essentially like a organization where a bunch of like solicitors and lawyers and legal organizations kind of have joined forces so that their LGBT group 
is has some has has actual members and it isn't just mm-hmm. like one person at one law firm and i did a little talk and i am very very proud of it it went very very well and i actually think that talk it's very good. It's basically about the the parallels of the moral panic from the 80s around gay people to the trans panic now. Yeah, a lot of people came to ask me about it afterwards, I think, including some people who hadn't necessarily been to abreast of the situation with like the trans panic uh, mm. and who had some very thoughtful questions and I think definitely was making them think, which is, you know, what we love to do. So if anyone wants me to come and talk, basically be very depressing for an hour um <laughs> I, I i now apparently do that professionally but that was my uh gay don't thing. sell yourself so if anybody wants like a really informed and provocative discussion or talk to bring to your workplace then please get in touch with rowan ellis because she's one of the best I'll do in the it. business i'll yeah. d- don't think i won't do it i'll do it <laughs> <laughs> um sorry that was a threat for some reason to you yeah no that's that was that's pretty gay so that's me Well done, proud of you. Thank you. For anybody who is new here, here's how we're going to do it. So first, we're going to give a little bit of context around how gay the Oscars are this year in 2023. And I... I'm just going to carve out a little bit of time to do some gushing around how I think Michelle Yeoh is the best person on the face of the planet, how she's my bitch, and that I die for her. I watch Star Trek Discovery for Michelle Yeoh. (laughs) That's dedication. (laughs) We will be spoiling this movie, so we would encourage you to watch it before listening to the rest of the episode, because it really is very excellent. And um, some of these movies that we review are like, no, don't bother, just listen to us describe what happens during the plot. But for this one, do go away and watch it and then come back. Yeah, to be clear, I think this is the best film ever made. So without further ado, let's put everything on a bagel. Despair, report cards, salt, and this review of the movie, Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. So this year we had a few options actually when we were looking at what movie we wanted to do. For... No, we didn't. We were always going to do this. As okay. Soon as well, this movie hypoth- came out, yeah. technically, yeah, yeah, yeah. there were multiple If we were going to pretend. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously, everything, everywhere, all at once. Tar, which was the um, Boo. film with Kate Blanchett that we didn't enjoy that we have already reviewed. So if you did enjoy that or not, check out the podcast on that already mm-hmm. out. There's also the whale which has earned three nominations, I think, uh, including for Brendan Fraser's performance of a gay man spiraling out over grief after the death of his partner. And then uh, technically Glass Onion, Knives Out Mystery and a nomination oh, sure. for Best yeah. Adapted Screenplay because uh, allegedly Benoit's gay. Um, and we also have already done that. <laughs> so realistic. Oh, and I think like, again, technically like Lady Gaga got a nomination for the theme song to Top Gun Maverick. And you know, love that Top Gun Maverick, already one of the gayest fucking movies on the planet without actually being gay, mm-hmm. um, actually did get an Oscar nomination. We could have covered it. I love that because of Lady fucking Gaga of all yeah, people. It would have only... been quite poetic, actually. Should we go back and just do Top Gun? <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe it's like, hey, here's a little sneak, little little cheeky episode where it's just like gay, the gay subtext genre. Mm. <laughs> That's that is technically. Uh, a genre, I guess. Hey, watch this space. And then there's also some ones that are maybe lesser known. So one of the best international features, Close, which is from Belgium, follows two teenage boys who have this very close friendship. And then it get that like a lot of drama happens after some of their schoolmates sort of notice how close they are. And there's like a rift forms between them, which I haven't seen. And I also haven't uh, seen After Sun yet, which seems to be ambiguously gay, where some people are like, it's very obvious that the main character is gay. And some people are like, it's, it's it's not, no one picked up on it, blah, blah, blah. So it's like, that was also a possibility. After Sun is this movie that everyone is obsessed with and that I do need to see, but I need to be emotionally ready for it because apparently it's going to tear my heart out. Great. Absolutely decimated. And so, yeah, I think that the only one that we haven't covered that we might do on the podcast seems to be The Whale. Um, but mm-hmm. I literally, I mentioned it not to say that we shouldn't do everything everywhere all at once. I just mentioned it as like, oh, we could also do the way. Like I hadn't even finished typing to send the message before Jazza was like, absolutely the fuck not. We're doing this movie. We're not doing any other movie ever again. Only this movie. I think I may have threatened to quit. Yeah, literally like, okay, good luck just talking to yourself, Rowan. Uh, Mm -hmm. So yeah, essentially we didn't really have a choice and by we, I mean me. Um, (laughs) But uh, I'm fine with that. I I, um, have a confession though. Go on. I started watching this movie 
uh, a little while ago and I just uh-huh. didn't finish. I just got like, I mean, I finished it now. To be clear, I'm, oh, I'm not coming God. into this podcast not having watched the movie. <laughs> well, you did it with Rose, so. I basically got to the fanny pack fight scene, but I just like wasn't in the frame of mind to... I don't know, like the ADHD was really ADHDing, and I was like, I can't concentrate on anything, let alone this long movie. You didn't even get that far. You I got know. The fanny pack thing. Wow. It's really, it's really near the beginning, but my brain was just like, I can't concentrate on anything longer than about two minutes long. And I wanted mm-hmm. to do it justice. Like, I knew that so many people love this film, and I wanted to give it a good go. So I was like, I'm not just going to try and push through it i want to in- mm-hmm, actually mm-hmm, enjoy mm-hmm. it so i am very happy that you forced me to watch it because it is a very good movie wait had you not finished it until we were going to do this episode yeah i literally watched oh it for the episode my god i'm oh. you're welcome you're I, again jazz of the way you say welcome absolutely destroys me but welcome <laughs> absolutely not so Basically, but I'll show you because I don't know why I thought I would be able to watch this movie. I was like, I, maybe I need something different to do my brain. So I was like, maybe I'll just paint while I'm doing it. Just like a little cute painting. Mm-hmm. But then I forgot that I had to make notes for this podcast. So I was like trying to write notes and then also paint. So I got like not far through the painting whatsoever. Um, I just got the under the base thing done, which is like, this is the, that's cute. the scene where she like cracks in three. And it's oh, like in the yeah. office building, but like none of the actual features are in. So it just looks really like blobs, but I will try and finish it by the time this goes out so we can put it on our social media because, oh, you know, be we should probably upload there. At, you know, hey, I hear watercolors are really great for engagement. Yeah, everyone loves a good watercolor. <laughs> so, yeah, that is essentially my context is of the queer movies. We've done like I've done like a together. We did a whole video about the queer history of the Oscars on my channel before. We've talked mm. about the kind of Oscars in general in other uh, episodes of the podcast. So I wanted to keep it just to like what's going on specifically this year, which seems to be, uh, I would say that from the movies that I've seen that are nominated this one, it feels like like Tar, for example, and Knives Out and things. The sexuality is not necessarily a key part of the plot. Mm. It could be that the character like isn't queer and it would have been reasonably similar. Whereas I think that the queer element of this film is like important to the plot. Like the, yeah, the fact that she's queer is important to what's going on here, mm-hmm. which I think is very, it's going to be interesting to have a little chat about. Mm. Uh, would you like to do your context which is basically just you talking about your girl michelle yeah yeah my girl michelle i'm every gay kind of has a that um one female artist that they will die for generally mine in the music sphere is shakira and in the acting sphere it's michelle yo michelle yo could probably be credited with me deciding to learn chinese and move to china i'm not even joking i first i remember watching her the first time i ever watched her was in the James Bond movie that she was in, which was, I think, Tomorrow Never Dies. And uh, since then have just like completely been obsessed with her, obsessed with her career. She went from, well, before then, she started off as like a beauty queen in Malaysia, then did an advert with Jackie Chan in the 1980s, because of course, every um, East Asian woman in the 1980s did an advert with the Jackie Chan. They were advertising watches. Then she, from that, ended up being an action star and a huge star in Hong Kong in her own right. Hong Kong being the the, the centre of the movie industry in Asia. Uh, so she was in movies like Wing Chun, Police Story 3, Yes Madam, and was already this huge, huge star. She was then catapulted into international stardom through James Bond and then ended up doing the Ang Lee film Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, was in stuff like Memoirs of a Geisha, went on to do have supporting roles in movies like Crazy Rich Asians uh, and just has just kind of like grown into playing a lot of these matriarch uh, roles. She has a dance background and so has traditionally done all of her own stunts and all of her own fight scenes, which is the same for a lot of the stuff that is in this movie. And I just think she's really fucking badass. She's learned whole languages in order to play roles. Before the 2000s, she couldn't speak any Mandarin. She learned it for Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and now does this whole movie, this whole movie, everything, everywhere, all at once in Mandarin, does full interviews in Mandarin. She learned Burmese, 
when she played um, Aung San Suu Kyi in The Lady. It hasn't aged very well, that movie, but uh, that's crazy. And she didn't speak any Cantonese before she broke into Hong Kong cinema. Like, this woman is absolutely fucking phenomenal and she was educated at least part of her life in london so we can claim her she's one of us and that's all i love her that's very adorable <laughs> thank you someone 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 send this to michelle oh i you know that embarrassing interaction i had with Bowen yang i feel like michelle yo is <laughs> one of the only other people who i would like physically combust in front of i would not be able to handle it i love that yeah we'll keep you at a distance i'll be if i ever see her in the street and you're with me i'm taking i'm like gonna rugby tackle you to the floor i'll be like no jazza shield your eyes like yeah. it would just i feel like it would just have you'd be having some kind of like angelic experience it would burn the very soul out of you so don't worry i've got your back thank you and just to close on one final thing before we dive into the plot of this movie she's the first east asian woman to be nominated for an oscar best actress and stephanie shu is the first east asian woman to be nominated as a best supporting actress this movie is groundbreaking and yeah just again, before we go in and spoil all of the plot, if you haven't watched it, you have to. It'll change your life. And you'll cry a lot. If you're anything like me, you'll probably cry a lot. I think she feels like a shoe-in for Best Actress. Who's she against? Kate Blanchett. For, for I rec- So I will be... I, th- I can see Kate Blanchett winning. And I will be furious. Yeah, I think that I think that's the most likely thing if if Michelle doesn't, because the other ones it's other Michelle for the Fablemans, Michelle Williams, um, which you know whatever it's a film it's fine, but like I feel like there's been better movies about movies and stuff. I think it's only because it's Spielberg talking about himself that anyone cares. Yeah, it's Andrea Riseborough for To Leslie, which is like the one everyone jokes about how no one actually knows. Everyone was like, "What the hell even is that film? When did it even come out? What is it? Who cares?" Anna de Armas for Blonde. Where the hell? did that nomination come from <laughs> absolutely unhinged behavior from the academy and then michelle so i feel like she she if there's any justice in the world will win it mm-hmm. and also she's she's a, like a has a a long decorated career everywhere else apart from the oscars mm-hmm. and the oscars generally likes taking these opportunities to award reward people who have been such titans in the industry but maybe have never had the the role that has kind of put them in the contention for an award like this yeah i think she will win i think the best picture win is less Mm -hmm. of a shoe in screenplay i think is going to be the the contest there is going to be with banshees Mm -hmm. and i think supporting actress supporting actress stephanie might be in i feel like the only one that might you know what actually no because even though it is angela bassett it's for black panther which won't Mm -hmm. it won't get it because it's a superhero movie and the other two for the whale and banshees like the it's they weren't big enough roles i don't think so Mm -hmm. it's stephanie against jamie lee curtis for this same movie and stephanie was simply better so Mm -hmm. i'm really hoping that we have some not just like first nominations, but first wins to to go with it in the same year. I'd love it if Mitski beat Lady Gaga as well. That'd be really good. <laughs> I love that for you. Uh, right, should we get into the plot of this movie then? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so the movie begins with our hero Evelyn doing her taxes, which apparently was the uh, summary of the movie pre-trailers and even when the trailers were going out because they didn't want to spoil the movie at all, uh, what it was Mm -hmm. going to be before the trailer dropped. So it was just woman does her taxes was the description on IMDb for a long time, which I think is hysterical. Mm -hmm. And we essentially get this extremely chaotic a scene where we're introduced to a bunch of issues that are going on in her life and complications, including the fact that she's not uh, doing her taxes very well, essentially, mm-hmm. is one thing that she is and kind of her and her husband own this laundromat, which might not be doing too well business wise. She has annoying customers. Her uh, father is uh, there and he's just arrived from just China. arrived from China. And her daughter is gay, has a girlfriend called Becky that the grandfather doesn't know about. And so the daughters come to basically demand that hey i i just want to tell grant like i don't want to lie to him i want to tell him what's going on and the fact that becky's my actual girlfriend not just like a friend Mm -hmm. and 
She has a very sweet husband that she kind of does. They have this very practiced dance where she'll like bang the ceiling and he'll know that he needs to come down. And but he there's also slight difficulties in communication. So the husband has like moved a bunch of the clothes for the customers upstairs. So they're not where they should be. And so it's it's both very like synchronized dance almost situation going on, but with utter chaos because there are things that aren't quite fitting together, which, you know, it's kind of the vibe metaphorically and literally throughout this movie with this, with her life and with the family. This is the first scene, so I don't want to spend too much time on it, but I adore it so much for a couple of reasons. One is the swirling chaos that you talk about and that I love you to describing it as a dance because I've never really thought of it like that. It's also one of the first times I can remember seeing uh, the Chinglish kind of like flow of their language going like dipping in and out of Mandarin and English as the two of them are speaking depending on kind of like what they're talking about when they're talking about external things so things like their taxes when Stephanie's uh, girlfriend is coming and all of those kinds of things they'll often dip into English and then when they're talking about their relationship the fact that Gong Gong is there and all of that kind of stuff a lot of it um, is in Mandarin and they just kind of like that's a part of like bilingual families that I've never really seen before, maybe in kind of like some Spanish media, but definitely not with Chinese. And I love being able to see that. And secondly, I want to ask you, what do you think about the theory that Evelyn has ADHD? I didn't see that theory. I've not seen that theory before until literally I was reading just like the wikipedia page and stuff to make sure that i hadn't missed any of the plot points while i was like making notes and it was like yeah themes including adhd and i was like mm -hmm. huh interesting i think there's a couple of reads of it one is this is the modern world that we're in where we are distracted and having to pay attention to and having to care about things that we don't actually care about stuff like taxes and laundry is like the line that goes through the movie but you can also read it as the this is evelyn trying to deal with all of the spinning plates and mind that is dealing with ADHD and I love that reading of her of kind of like this is how she is trying to kind of like function through the world and from my experience with ADHD anyway it feels very when I'm having like bad days it feels like this opening scene and I think that it's portrayed with the editing style and with her acting incredibly incredibly well and I like this as a reading for the character too I don't think it's ever like explicitly mentioned i think it's i think it is just a theory unless one of the daniels has mentioned it i can definitely see that either way to be honest i like that also something that i think is interesting is i watched everything with subtitles on because otherwise mm -hmm. i wouldn't as someone who doesn't speak anything but english i wouldn't have noticed the <laughs> fact that it's both cantonese and mandarin depending on yeah. which member of the family she's speaking to so, so her father speaks cantonese and then she speaks mandarin to waymond and i think that's also really interesting these like specific differences cultural differences even within this family that i think from the outside people would see as like one distinct group mm -hmm. as like this is a specifically a chinese american story and i like the the fact that you've got these elements which are brought in by the people who worked on the film to ensure that it doesn't become something which is sort of the homogenized version of the asian american story that might be told by people outside of that group yeah it felt so real it felt so real and really kind of like, like I'm surprised, surprised I'm not um, Asian American, but I have been around these spaces a lot and it felt incredibly real. Like even the, when Stephanie's character, as if Stephanie Shu is my friend. When old Steph's character. Yeah. When Joy's, when Joy as a character is introduced and we see Gong Gong for the first time, her, her granddad for the first time. And she's trying to kind of like get out. She she understands Chinese, but she's trying to get out like the introduction to Becky and the the disdain with which her granddad just goes, your Chinese is really getting worse and worse every time I see you. And I've heard I've heard older members of kind of like um older generations of families like say that about you know, the younger generations and like the disdain, like all of those interactions just feel really, really real. Also the fact that 
Joy is Joy is trying to, that's Evelyn's daughter, is trying mm. to tell her grandfather that Becky is her girlfriend and she suddenly realizes that she doesn't know the exact know version of yeah. friend, girlfriend, like, which again just feels very real. That idea of like, mm -hmm. if you're someone who's got language for certain things in your life and like you speak about certain things to your family, I think that's quite telling that that's not necessarily a word that she has at the tip of her tongue to be able to say in Cantonese. Mm -hmm. That to me was like very interesting. And then we also have essentially the end of this interaction is that Evelyn interrupts in Cantonese to describe Becky as a good friend rather mm -hmm. than a girlfriend. So deliberately interrupting her daughter to cover up her daughter's queerness for this grandfather that she says, you know, he's old. We don't want him to, you know, this would this would be too difficult for him to deal with. <laughs> they keep on talking about how it's going to kill him. It's going to don't now. give this like, man a heart He's attack. already flown from China for the Chinese New Year celebration. It's really and difficult. And then essentially Joy leaves really upset uh, and yeah. goes to get in the car to leave. And Evelyn has clearly got this parental love within her that she just cannot express in a way that mm -hmm. her daughter understands. And so just says that she's fat. Yeah, she's like, you need to eat healthier. You're getting fat, which you can understand and you can tell that it's it, she's not trying to say it to be awful. But obviously for Joy, without the context of like, we've kind of been in Evelyn's point of view and we get from the expression on, on, on her face that she can't just say, I love you so much, I'm sorry. So she has to mm. just say, she's trying to say, I care about you by being like, I've noticed something about you. I want you to take care of yourself. Like this is the way mm -hmm. I show care. But for Joy, she very much just hears, you're fat, you're doing things wrong, this is bad, you're bad. And so we see immediately this like real uh, kind of disconnect between the two of them, this gap in generations and language and culture, et cetera, et cetera. And we just essentially have this whole very chaotic first scene that leads into her meeting with Internal Revenue where um, things are not gonna get any easier for her, put it that way. <laughs> yeah, where Jamie Lee Curtis is her um, iOS agent. So when they go up into the elevator, we we see that Wayman has divorce papers with him and is kind of like looking at this other older couple who are very affectionate. And you can see him lamenting the fact that he doesn't have that with Evelyn. Going up in the elevator, the elevator is very slow. And then Wayman shuts down, opens up again, and all of a sudden is like hiding from the cameras and whatever. And he's been rakakunied. Mm -hmm. and is being puppeted by Waymond from another universe. The Alpha Alphaverse. Waymond. Alpha Waymond. And it does the classic I've taken over your body from another universe thing of being like, you're in grave danger. Mm -hmm. I don't have much time. Here are some instructions. I can't say any more. Very, very classic call mm -hmm. to adventure vibes where it's like, I love a mysterious call to adventure, like the it all depends on you kind of energy to it, which is something that's really fun about this movie for me is it's a lot of like follows that process of the call to adventure, the refusal of the call, like all of this stuff that's very monomyth, it's very mm -hmm. Joseph Campbell, it's very much how Hollywood works. But then there is just such absurdism going on alongside it and such bizarre stuff that kind of by its nature, because we find out later that within this multiverse that's happening, that Alpha Wayman is from, part of the ways in which you're able to jump through the multiverse is by doing something that's statistically bizarre and unlikely. Mm -hmm. And so the absurdism sort of is written into the small moments of the script as well as the overall story but I just really like how it plays with the classic call to adventure you know this Alpha Wayman has said nah, this is your destiny and she refuses it at first and is like no it's not me I'm not the person to do this and then gradually gets pulled into it but it has these twists to it which I really really loved mm -hmm. and I, I, I just want to ask what, what was your favorite like anomaly that somebody had to do apart from having to sit on uh, an employee of the month award um and then fighting with a butt plug up your bum i'll tell you my least fucking favorite jazza <laughs> go on giving yourself four paper cuts yeah your the fingers. paper cuts one I is horrible i could not watch that i could not watch that it's literally the worst thing i can possibly think of so i don't think i even now could name you a single one that they oh do you know what else i hated waymond <laughs> eating chapstick yeah it i was hated it so, so much it, it looked so waxy and uh, mm. but yes anyway so basically all that to say because i realized i've jumped ahead to like by the way there's a multiverse um get with it people you should have seen this movie so you should already know but yes we meet jamie lee curtis as uh audit lady 
Deidre is her name? Deidre. Yes. Yeah, Deidre. Who is, I've just written in my notes, very mean. <laughs> And has butt plugs in the background, question mark, question mark. Because I spotted them and was like, Chekhov's relevant? Like Chekhov's butt plug? Chekhov's butt plug. <laughs> <laughs> but essentially Evelyn, who has had from Alpha Wayman these instructions that she needs to do during this meeting, gets completely overwhelmed. And just, I think, at the point of like, I have nothing to lose, looks at the instructions and carries them out, which essentially is to swap her shoes over to the other feet to really, really think about the janitor's closet that he wants her to go into. And basically, she finds herself there somehow. What? Mm -hmm. What in the science fiction? And the screen at this point cracks. And I think it's really interesting to know a uh, little bit of con a little bit of a uh, behind the scenes info. Apparently the effects for this movie, which are stunning, were done by like five people. Yeah, they also had a shoot time of like of only I think it was less than a month. I want to say That is wild. Weeks. That is yeah. truly wild. Because at this point, I feel like it's where we start to get the sort of the sci-fi element, the effects, special effects type element with the skin the screen cracks, and we sort of realize that she is both in the closet now, but also still in front of Jamie Lee Curtis, who I guess from now on, I'm just going to refer to only as Jamie Lee Curtis. Mm -hmm. And we get this explanation that there is, you know, from Alpha Waymond, evil spreading throughout the multiverse. It's only you who can help us while simultaneously getting the stakes of the normal everyday plot, which is that the laundromat could be repossessed. They could lose everything in that timeline. And it's a very stressful scene because it's essentially her potentially like the whole universe is collapsing, but also her life is collapsing. And I think it's a really good example of how stakes that are just really big, like the whole universe is going to be destroyed are not actually necessarily that impactful. It's much more impactful to have something that's like very specific and personal to the character. And then they manage to marry those both together mm -hmm. by making the, the whole universe is going to be destroyed personal for her as well, which to me was just like chef's kiss, my favorite version of this kind of storytelling. So in the Alpha universe, uh, we find out that Alpha Evelyn was the person who developed this verse jumping technology, which allows you to not necessarily to like inhabit the bodies of like yourself in other, depending on all of the branching decisions that you've possibly made all the way through your life, but also allows you to use all of their skills as well. So if, for example, oh, let's say you were Michelle Yeoh in another universe, you'd be able to do Kung Fu because you learned that when you were a film star. So we also found find out that the big bad in the across the multiverse is someone called Jobu Tupaki, who is going around murdering everybody, trying to find Evelyn. To what end? We have no idea. Dun dun dun! At this point, she's sort of. Uh slightly convinced not really convinced that this is real she's very confused and in a fit of confusion punches Jamie Lee Curtis in the face who has just offered to give her a little bit of an extension until the end of the day and the classic you'll know when it's time to fight that happened uh, from Alpha Waymond is completely misinterpreted because she decides I guess now's the time to fight and just punches this lady in the face mm -hmm. and it's at this point that we get our first like fight sequence of the movie and I, I love all of the action sequences here it's like one big long homage to Jackie Chan movies it's fucking brilliant it's beautiful and essentially it's just Waymond getting possessed by Alpha Waymond and uh, using his fanny pack slash bum bag, depending on which country you're in, <laughs> to fight a load of people. And it's beautiful. It's it's wonderful. It's actually exciting. I have a real big bone to pick with all the movies that do like CGI fight sequences against, like it's just two CGI things fighting each other. And I just get so bored. Mm. And these fight sequences actually had like interesting choreography. It was very legible as well. Cause I find that that's really tricky, which was helped by the fact that they filmed this movie at a very high frame rate, basically so that they would have the freedom to use slow motion at any point, mm -hmm. not just the ones that were scripted. Because if you've ever seen slow motion in older movies and it looks really janky, it's basically because they put slow motion on something that was filmed at a normal frame rate, meaning that your eye is like used to seeing frames flick way faster. So it looks weirdly disjointed. And so this was, this I think really paid off for them. Um, what I'm sure was very annoying having to film at that kind of high frame rate, I think has really worked because they utilize that so well. And uh, before he does that, he does eat chapstick, which again was extremely upsetting. 
to watch. Very disgusting. So it is revealed to us that Jobu is in fact Joy Evelyn's <gasps> plot daughter. Twist. Oh my god! Twist plot, and she possesses the Joy in the universe where the, the iOS having a conversation with Jamie Lee Curtis and pu- punching Jamie Lee Curtis in the face, and she wanders off somewhere maybe to come and find Evelyn in our universe. That seems to be what is happening. Evelyn and Waymond, uh, like it, it's like the the iOS building is in lockdown, and so they're hiding. And Jamie Lee Curtis ends up doing her own verse jump, getting the skills of a high-pitched screaming uh, wrestler, we think, (laughs) Uh, and goes around and fights Waymond one-on-one. But then Waymond goes, because uh, Evelyn is so nervous, doesn't seem to be able to master any verse jumping at all on her own. He goes, you're clearly not the Evelyn I've been looking for. I've got to go now. Bye. Can you imagine? No. No, I can't. Sorry, Michelle, yo, you're not good enough. And so then she starts herself just doing a load of random shit uh, in order to be able to try and get the skills of her in another universe. Yeah, she's like, what is statistically unlikely? Just like give do, yeah. do random stuff to try and make that happen. She is told before Waymond runs away that saying I love you to Jamie Lee Curtis will allow her to jump to a universe where she has the abilities of Gong Fu. She ends up being able to do that when Jamie Lee Curtis's knee drop is literally centimetres away from her nose. Millimetres. She's so close to getting a knee to the face. So close to getting a knee to the face. And Evelyn um, verse jumps to basically the life of Michelle Yeoh, the actual actress. So interestingly, did you know that Michelle Yeoh was um, originally asked to play basically herself? And this verse jump, I reckon, was meant to actually be our universe's Michelle Yeoh. I, well, because they flashed through a bunch of footage, which is of her on various red carpets yeah, that yeah, she has yeah. done previously, because it's all movies mm-hmm. she's been in. So I was like, I didn't know whether that was meant to be literally jumping to our universe or whether it was they just used it because it was footage. But either way, I like I like both both of those options, to be honest. Mm-hmm. So she turned it down because she wanted to be taken seriously as an actress and didn't mm. want to like play herself. But I do like the reading of, and to be honest, that's how I've been interpreting it as well. Um, it, she's Michelle Yeoh in the other universe. It's totally fine. Yeah. Um, we also get a little bit of a bunch of lore here. So basically every jump causes a crack. You can re- reseal the cracks, but only with training. You can't stay in a universe that isn't your own that you've jumped to because you could die or worse and essentially we find out that what the worst option is is what happened to jobu aka joy where in the alpha verse that version of joy's mind was splintered because alpha evelyn essentially pushed her too far she made her verse jump too many times and now she's experiencing all of the universe everywhere all at once all everything at once. it's the title and so she can verse jump but also sort of manipulate matter itself at will seemingly and so no one knows what joby wants they just know that she's looking for evelyn and we uh, this essentially is like a law dump but it doesn't necessarily feel like a bad law dump or like just exposition because you're listening to it going Okay, okay, this is all information that I do need because right now I don't know what the hell is going on because I am Evelyn <laughs> and, I, and I'm just like, oh God, I just want to go back and finish my taxes, I guess, and be Michelle on the red carpet. But that is not her fate, unfortunately. So there's, out of this lore dump come, I think, two of the strongest themes of the movie that resonate with people the most. One is intergenerational, the differences between generations and how relationships between generations are pressured from first generation immigrants. So the fact that in the Alpha universe, Evelyn pushed Joy too hard, made her crack, made her resent her, and kind of like reflecting those sometimes difficult relationships that it's similar across other um, phenomena like working class parents, um, but especially with immigrant parents, that experience being represented there. And then also the whole idea of fracturing and each choice that you make in your life, creating a completely new branch of reality and possibility 
really reflects people who choose to or are forced to go to another country to uproot themselves and go to another country. Evelyn, when she becomes Michelle Yeoh and gets the skills of Michelle Yeoh, gets to see the world that she would have had and the life she would have had if she had never left for the United States with Waymond. And there's always, whenever you leave a place, you make one of those big decisions there's always the thought of, oh my God, what would my life be like if I never left? Would it be better if I never left? The life I have now is a struggle. Would it have been better if I had just stayed? And that, I love the way that that is pulled through to the whole idea of kind of like the alternate realities and splintering. Like this is, I think, sci-fi. And I didn't even really think of this as sci-fi until I saw it classified as such on IMDb. But this is sci-fi as it's at its absolute best as a reflection of the real world phenomena that happen for so many people. Yeah, I've been reading a bunch of like reviews and there's this one that I think touches on that really nicely. Critic for the Washington Post, Anne Lin Cheng says, it's not only that the multiverse acts as a metaphor for the immigrant Asian American experience or a convenient parable for the dislocations and personality splits suffered by hyphenated, that is Asian American citizens. It also becomes a rather heady vehicle for confronting and negotiating Asian pessimism, which I think is a really interesting idea of like, yeah, the, the literal hyphenations of you, the the ways in which your identity is split between and across Mm -hmm. being something that's mirrored quite literally in this like cracking that's happening uh, across these different multiverses. We also see at this point, like the powers that Jobu has, which includes like confetti cannoning a man's uh, body apart um, (laughs) and various other very exciting, (laughs) very exciting things, which we love, you know, I'm like, you know what, love to see, but also you are absolutely terrifying. Mm Also, no, I'm sorry, I'm turning giant dildos into a murder weapon. Yes. This film and dildos, brilliant. Very into it. Mm -hmm. At this point, (laughs) we also get Michelle jumping to a universe where everyone has hot dogs instead of fingers. (gasps) I'm losing my mind. Just incredible work all round. (laughs) And also, we get this moment where we're starting to see the big universal multiverse drama and the personal drama clash together when Michelle basically is is separating Jobu as a concept from her daughter Joy because she says you're the reason my daughter doesn't call anymore and dropped out of college and thinks that she's gay so there's Mm -hmm. this sense of like everything that's bad is not actually Joy it's Jobu taking over her body or influencing her in some way or being Mm -hmm. connected to her and that she thinks that being gay is like one of these bad things, like not caring and not having ambition and being gay is like one of these things that she still doesn't support, which I think is mm. is very telling when we look at before where she, her excuse for not telling the granddad is like, oh, he's old. It's kind of like saying, oh, it's, it's you know, he's old. He might be, it might like kill him, all this kind of stuff, but never really admitting that she herself finds this difficult to deal with. And so we are like, this is going to be a a journey for her as well in that way. And this is where we get to the bagel. <laughs> before we get to the bagel, okay. this, is, this is where I'm like, this is an explicitly queer movie. Yeah. It's not just kind of like a, a, a fact. This is about, the queer experience and something that I've only recently like clocked onto. I've, I've watched this movie. I've watched this movie six times. Um, in the, in the hot dog hand universe, mm-hmm. I didn't even clock that the J- that Jamie Lee Curtis and Michelle Yeoh are in a, are a queer relationship. How did you not clock that? I just like, obviously I knew that it existed, but I never like went, Oh, like Evelyn is also potentially at least in one of these universes queer as well and showing kind of like those a lot of this movie is about being distracted and care about things that don't actually in the grand scheme of things matter and deciding what you actually care about we see that when jobu it's busy kind of like massacring all of these bodyguards and goes wait you're still hung up on the fact that I'm gay in this universe as kind of like, I can't believe that this is something that this Evelyn has decided to actually still fixate on. And it's, I think that there is a possible reading here where Evelyn herself is maybe queer in some way, shape or form, but because of the fact that she was born in a particular culture, comes from a particular time, got married to somebody who's actually trying to divorce her, uh, was never able and never had the freedom to be able to actually experiment with herself and, and find out about herself in that way. And actually, 
one of the many reasons that many people choose to emigrate and find a new life in another country is so that they their children can have better opportunities and be able to kind of like be whoever they want to be but then there is sometimes this brush up against who your kid then therefore wants to be you'll have critic critiques of like oh you've become too american i i don't understand all of this queerness and things like that and i i love that kind of like relationship between evelyn and joy old jobu being represented here but yeah they're showing the bagel (laughs) yeah then there's a bagel so basically joe okay listen stay with me here you guys um Jobu has created a bagel, an everything bagel with everything on it that's quite literally everything in the world, all mm-hmm. concepts, all matter, all things, uh, which has also kind of created a black hole that could destroy the entire multiverse. Classic. Mm-hmm. But Jobu is basically like, nothing matters, so who cares? Uh, let's all just get sucked into a bagel. That's a vibe mm-hmm. for me. She's experienced everything everywhere all at once. And therefore is like, well, everything matters. Therefore, nothing matters. matters. So what yeah. the fuck is the point anymore? Just destroy it all. Essentially, yeah. is Joby's philosophy. Just total nihilism. Just total, just like, screw everything. And this is the interesting thing, right? We've heard the idea that she's looking for Evelyn, but we don't know why. And what she basically wants is for Evelyn to come into the bagel with her and for them to be dead and gone and not have to experience anything and just be free of the like agonies of life and living Mm -hmm. and experience and it's kind of like jobu where's your therapist i beg of you (laughs) we need we need to we need to sit down and talk about the bagel babes so we but basically jobu goes to evelyn i wanted somebody else to experience this with me Uh, and her mother is really the only one who is able to because uh, she invented first jumping evelyn doesn't want joy she doesn't want joy to feel like this she doesn't want joy to have this nihilism as like the basis of her existence and so evelyn decides to do the thing that waymond earlier said was worse than death and splinter her mind so that she is across as many different universes as possible so that she experiences the same thing as her daughter and so that she can get there and then bring her back essentially this is the way so we end up with uh, Evelyn jumping to get the powers of somebody she, the, one of the universes she uh, falls over and blinds herself and then becomes an opera singer as we all know in one universe she is one of those pizza sign spinners and manages to use that in some fighting um, she is a chef who is friends with a man who is being ratatouilleed by a raccoon by a raccoon, Raccoonie Classic. which is a better movie Is would have been a better movie right. I think Hello friends, Jazza here from another space and another time. Just popping in to humbly ask you to consider supporting this podcast financially. It makes a huge difference and it keeps us on the airwaves, frankly. If you like what we're doing and want to support queer media, then you can sign up for our Patreon for as little as $5 a month. For that fee, that low fee, less than like a fancy Starbucks, you can become a, the two is called baby gay. Um, and as a baby gay, you get access to our thriving Discord with hundreds of members who all chat about not only movies, but queer media and general chit chat that they love. It's a really lovely community. We've been going crazy about stuff like the Last of Us episodes and all of the Oscars hype. It's been a, a good time in the Discord recently. What's more, those baby gays get to join our monthly watch along which really is the jewel in the crown of our patreon perks where we all watch a movie together once a month in the run up to the oscars we'll be watching something oscars themed maybe the whale maybe not if that sounds fun to you though, uh, check out our patreon for that and many other perks it really does keep the podcast afloat um, especially in these difficult times so thank you very much for considering supporting us As returning listeners know, we are part of Multitude, a collective of creators who make audio nibbles that you can listen to, and they're all really, really good. This week, I want to walk you through some of the refreshed perks that they offer to their patrons. Important here, separate to our patrons at the Queer Move podcast, but you get loads of really cool stuff. For example, 
my dears, at the $10 tier, who are called The Insiders, you get access to all of the behind-the-scenes stuff at Multitude. All of the drama going down in the office, um, all of the pet photos, uh, and all of that kind of stuff. You also get to see the crew-only Instagram accounts, first dibs on any and all Multitude updates coming down the pike. Plus, all Insiders get 10% off all Multitude logo merch, and that is forever. There are loads of other perks available as well that all have fantastic perks all the way up to the founders, which is the highest tier where you can get hangout sessions for one to two hours with certain hosts, which is pretty amazing access. So go over to Multitude's Patreon um, and consider having a look there and seeing what you might be interested in. It can really be worth it. We are also still supported by Squarespace, who can help you to buy a domain and create a website. So a friend of mine was putting together an event in New York. Did I mention I live in New York now? And uh, had a ton of amazing artwork that they had made in order to accompany this event. I was very naughty and I told them to use our link, which is squarespace.com slash movie. And I'm going to tell you what I told them, dear listener, that then convinced them to use our code. So not only does Squarespace allow you to centralize all of your assets and platform presences in one place, it also lets you set up a shop where people can buy things from you or even donate if they feel so inclined. Not only that, high-tech analytics present a pretty good overview of how your uh, posts are doing, how your content is doing, what's selling well, and it's all done with pretty, pretty graphics. So you can tell what is working and what isn't. And it also makes all events in New York instantly successful. Yeah, it's true. All you have to do in order to get all of those good things, maybe not the successful New York event stuff, all you have to do is go to squarespace.com slash queermovie, and when you're set up to make all of your digital dreams come true, you can use the offer code queermovie, that's all one word, to save 10 percentage points off of your first purchase of a website or a domain. Remember to go to squarespace.com slash queermovie. Now, back to the show. I have to ask at this point, Jazza, have we reached Act 2 yet? I forget when Act 2 okay. happens. So, uh, so that was Act 1, by the way, listener. That was... The and whole of handily, that. Handily, um, <laughs> the movie splits it into three acts for us. That was everything. And then we go into Act 2, which is everywhere, but what I have also called the party and its aftermath. Mm-hmm, because as because Evelyn- the New Year's party is happening. Yeah, because as Evelyn's mind is cracking and she gets exposed to all of this and she becomes susceptible to all of the nihilism. By the way, there is in this, in just before this section, a fight scene with Michelle Yeoh and two people with butt plugs in them because that's the thing they had to do to get the martial arts skills. Classic. Um, amazing. One of the greatest pieces of cinema ever fucking made. Um, I'm just annoyed the whole thing was pixelated. But we end up with her susceptible to the nihilism And then she also just kind of like gives up and it feels like Evelyn, well, she dies. She dies in this one universe and then gets sucked into the universe where she's having the Chinese New Year celebration where um, the IRS are arriving and they're going to possess everything. I have, uh, my notes here was New Year's party is coming. There will be so much aftermath because (laughs) I'm sure at this point, everyone has listened to the podcast already. But if you haven't, there is always an act in gay movies that's the party in its aftermath. And they literally threw a party and they kept talking about this party. And I was like, we are going to get so much fucking aftermath. We love to see it. So yeah, basically we've reached, she's reached a point in this movie where she's basically like, yeah, you're right. Everything is random and meaningless. Every single verse that, I, that she's in, because she's in every universe all at once, all the time mm-hmm. uh, with her daughter. It's the movie. It's the title of the movie. It's the title of the movie. She's a pinata in one universe. She's a rock in one universe. She's made oh, of animation in another universe. You'd never, mm. who would have thought that the rocks could make us feel so many fucking emotions. And there's a really, really sad bit where basically Joy says to Evelyn, like, I was really hoping that someone else would have this experience, have themselves crack in this mm. way, and then tell me that they had figured it out and that everything was okay. And that I was just, I was just thinking about this wrong and they would experience it and they would be able to tell me the meaning of life and tell me what was actually happening and what I should be living for. And that hasn't happened because you essentially have turned just as 
chaotic and nihilistic and like everything is meaningless as I have. And uh, that was pretty, that's pretty rough. That's a pretty rough message for us to get at this point in the movie. So, you know, spoiler alert though, it gets better. Yeah. So as Evelyn kind of gives up um, and is about to step into the bagel, Waymond steps up. Normal Waymond, not Alpha Waymond, because he's dead now. He died at some point. And this is when I begin sobbing because Waymond is just being like, I don't understand why everybody is fighting. Why can't everybody just be kinder to one another? So this is where we have the trifecta and it is complete. So we have Joy, who is nihilism. We have Evelyn, who is existentialism. And then we have Waymond, who is optimism and absurdism. So those three philosophies kind of interacting as these three main characters and the different ways that they go through the world. Nihilism, obviously, everything is um, obviously... Have you read Wikipedia? Um, uh, Nihilism, (laughs) obviously, being where uh, nothing matters, so why should you care? Existentialism is we can find meaning in kind of like the choices that we make in our lives. And absurdism is kind of like finding the... Realising how ridiculous everything is and so laughing along with it anyway. And the optimism that... Um, can potentially come with that so these three characters represent that those like three philosophies for life and this speech from waymond is is one of the most heartwarming wonderful things because i think it's it's such an optimistic take on humanity and sometimes we need that optimism and i i fucking loved it so waymond ends up influencing evelyn evelyn realizes that the thing that is going to get her through this even though that she is seeing that nothing matters the thing that matters to her is joy her daughter and so she decides that she is now going to help everybody else who's trying to fight her including jamie lee curtis she's going to fight everybody and find out what their the thing that brings them joy is so she faces off against all of these minions jamie lee curtis what is Jamie Lee Curtis's joy? Is her, is it uh, Jamie Lee Curtis finds out that she's lovable? There's one character. Oh, the 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 Rakakuni guy um, realizes he really loves being controlled by raccoons. Um, he is played by Mike from Glee as well, um, yeah, which I course. immediately clocked and was like, absolutely perfect, love it, beautiful. That mm-hmm. boy, I was like, if they don't make him dance at some point during this, it would have been a wasted movie. And he does have a little bit of like more fight choreography style stuff, but I'm like, I can see your dance roots in there, Harry. I can see them. Mm-hmm. And uh, she makes two people dance and they become married in one universe. One of the Daniels, one of the directors, she <laughs> takes him into another universe and exposes him to S&M and that's what brings him joy. I the fact I didn't know that that was one of the Daniels, that's but now the Daniels. I love that even more. It's so fucking brilliant. And then she reaches... So uh, Jobu has summoned the bagel that's going to destroy everything and she's about to step into it. And uh, uh, am I sobbing? Yes, I still am. Joby goes to like start to fight Evelyn, her mother. And then Evelyn also like does like some Kung Fu, goes to fight and then opens her arms to try and hug her. And eventually Evelyn... Like they start rustling and tussling and Evelyn lets Jobu go into the despair of the bagel. And that's kind of like, that's kind of like the, 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 where did it zing? No, it isn't. Aha, tricked you, tricked you guys. So this I think is, okay. So again, what I found really interesting that I just talked about before, the idea of the big multiverse fight sequence finale versus the very personal finale and that the very personal is almost always going to be more interesting and they tied it together so well because they have the really dramatic like no don't go into the bagel like trying to save her daughter as she's being pulled in which is like a very physically dramatic finale but the actual moment is that that it has that pathos and have that emotionality to it is within our Evelyn's universe at this party where essentially Evelyn is like Joy is is saying to Evelyn, like, we're just too different. You know, mm-hmm. I'm tired. I just want to go. Like, us being together hurts the both of us. We need to go our separate ways. Let me yeah. go. And so her version of letting me go is very literal. Like, I, we just need to be apart from each other. Like, I get that we're mother and daughter, but we just fucking make each other miserable. Mm-hmm. And it's this clear parallel to, like, the very dramatic sci-fi let me go into this bagel situation. Mm-hmm. And... 
that that to me is just so perfect and then in between we get the we get like the absurdest version of them as rocks having this scene where with googly eyes like we haven't even mentioned the googly eyes oh joy's googly eye rock falling off a cliff and then <laughs> evelyn's rock just falling after her mm -hmm. oh it's so beautiful like literally laughing and crying <laughs> at at stationary rocks that have subtitles like how has this how does the movie do that oh it's so fucking good it's essentially like we also get this again like very human ideas of like change and evelyn being uh kind of taking up the call so like breaking the cycle with her dad the idea of like my daughter ended up being this like stubborn aimless mess just like her mother and she's perfect that way and that she gave someone she says she gave her someone kind, patient and forgiving to make up mm. for all that she lacks. Talking about her and Waymond and her understanding of Waymond now being so much clearer than it was at the beginning. That this has like helped her marriage, helped her relationship with her daughter. Mm. Just, oh, she's, and also the idea of like, yeah, it doesn't make sense. You're saying the universe doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense that I would be like, still love you, even though you only visit when you need something. And like, I, you know, I hate tattoos and you're covered in them. And like, mm. I could be anywhere else in the entire world. In fact, at this point, she's like, I could be anywhere else in the multiverse. It doesn't make sense, but I just want to be with you. And like, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it doesn't make sense, essentially. And mm -hmm. I uh, weep and I cry and so does Jazza. Jazza in th at this point is just simply 100% tear. Um, can I say, so I watched it this morning at an AMC and I cried so much. Have you ever cried so much that you dehydrate and you don't have any more tears? Yeah, all the time. That was me. I've nev That's never happened to me before. And you, and you yeah. get like a headache, a headache that's just all con-fucking-suming. Mm -hmm. And so the, essentially in every single universe, they reconcile there's no universe that she wants to be where her daughter isn't. And that has always been her strength throughout this, right? So like we mm. have this bit at the beginning where she says like, you're getting fat, you need to look after yourself, whatever. But like in her actions, she shows that she cares about her daughter. She's willing to go through the thing that will like split her consciousness and like mm -hmm. destroy her mind and maybe make her go crazy and potentially she'll be dead. But she's immediately like, as soon as she knows that that's an option, that it might help her daughter, she does it. Mm -hmm. And so in her actions, she's showing love from the very beginning and it just feels like it's about being able to show it in a way that her daughter can appreciate and a language in which they both understand, both like, you know, metaphorically and literally, and vice versa, that they can both kind of start to understand each other and that that meaning is the meaning that they make together. Ugh, disgusting, mm -hmm. gross, whatever. We're in act three, I guess. Yeah, so act three is all at once, and it's literally one scene. We're back in, maybe it's the first universe, but I'm not sure it necessarily is, but it's one of the universes where um, everything seems a little bit more normal and nobody mm -hmm. has superpowers or has super strong pinky fingers. So they end up going one more time to the IRS, and this time Joy accompanies them. They are dropped off by Becky and Evelyn says to Becky, you need to grow your hair out. And that's kind of like, we've already know this, that this is a way that Evelyn shows that she cares about somebody. And at this point, Joy understands that because mm -hmm. Evelyn says that, walks away and Joy like laughs into a kiss with Becky. And Becky also understands now that this is what, that's like mm. meant to be a sign of love. And so it's this idea of like not her not having to conform to certain versions of what love is, whether that is a particularly American version of like displaying love. It's more about everyone understanding that communication style. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was a really nice touch that she didn't have to completely rechange the way that she is comfortable communicating. So she's there doing her taxes, being distracted by something that she doesn't want to be distracted by and is being distracted by all of the other universes that her brain has now been exposed to. But what is important is that she is choosing to do her laundry and taxes with people that she cares about. And Aww. then the movie ends. And then she kisses, and then she kisses Waymond in the, kisses in the Iris Waymond. Like the, like the couple at the beginning that he yeah. was feeling sad and jealous about and it's fine, but she's happy and she's smiling and everything's beautiful at the end the end that's the movie that's the movie everyone shall we go into the ratings very quickly let's do it Okay, so this is a part of the episode where we give the film our very special gay rating. Essentially, we're, we're rating it one through six, which you might think, hey, what a weird number to pick. But it's because <laughs> there are six stripes on the rainbow flag. And if you know anything about the history of the flag, you know that each of those colors 
stands for something. So we are going to give it the number and also the colors. Uh, red for life, orange for healing, yellow for sunlight, green for nature, blue for harmony, or purple for spirit. I think I already know, but Jazza, how many are you giving and which colors? Six, all of them. Well, how many are you giving? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Um, how about you? And why is it also six? Yeah, I think mm. it is. I don't know whether I've given six before. I feel like this is one of those. It's not quite like in my list of top, top, top favorites. But I yeah. also am like, why would I give it any less than six? You know what I mean? Like, I I um feel like we really need to have a wiki <laughs> that has actually documented the ratings that we've given. Yeah, if anyone movies. would love to do that for us, we would absolutely adore you. Um, But yeah, I feel like it has to be all of them, right? Like it's, mm -hmm. it's. I can't think of anything. Is it all of them all at bad once Bad about the movie. Yeah, it's all of them and they're all at once and it's everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm glad that we managed to suddenly claw our way out of the spate of bad movies we've been watching. Yeah. I can't remember what we're doing, but we might be potentially doing a special episode that might just be for patrons on the mm -hmm. third episode of The Last of Us, which is the gay episode, as everyone knows and has been talking about. So if you would have enjoyed listening to this episode and would like to help support us on Patreon, you'll get some random perks like that, but also the consistent every month perks like top 10 lists of movies recommendations for you newsletters of very gay things on the internet and then also the access to our discord where we watch a gay movie together every month it's very fun Thank you once again to Jennifer and Toby for supporting us at the highest tier on Patreon as well. They continue to be really awesome. Also make sure you are following us on social media where we'll be updating you whenever new episodes or new things are happening. And uh, follow us on your favourite podcatcher so that you know when we're uploading new things. It's every two weeks, every Thursday, but you know, sometimes I forget and then Rowan has to up upload it a little bit later. <laughs> Wow, really cool yourself out there. We are edited by Julia Shafini and are part of Multitude. Find more of their amazing stuff at multitude.productions. All right, thanks so much for listening, everyone. Bye. Bye.